2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't turn the ball over. You know, that's that's one thing that, you know, any coach would tell you. Um, you know, I got to stop turning the ball over and... Um, you know, as far as I know, I'm the starting quarterback. So, you know, I'm going to um, continue to, you know, play and continue to, you know, give it my all for this team. Matt said he, wasn't, he had to watch the film to see if you were still the best option going forward. Why are you, or do you think you are still the best option going forward at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and um, tell you guys why I should be the quarterback, but um, I believe in myself, and, um,
2: you know, that's all that matters. Oh, Sam Darnold! I'm still the starting quarterback. Not for long. Not for long. Seeing ghosts yesterday against the Patriots, who quietly are becoming a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. The Panthers were a team to be reckoned with for the first three weeks of the season. Now, not. Although they're they're still in the mix for that seven seed. That seven seed's wide open and up for grabs in the NFC, and the Panthers could still potentially get it. Superlatives time, Mike Golick. You are up.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start with uh, honoring the past. And I thought this was a very, very cool moment. Chandler Jones for the Arizona Cardinals broke the franchise sack record. Uh, The franchise sack record was 66.5, and and he got to 67. And when he broke that record, he pulled up his jersey, and he had a T-shirt of the late great Freddie Joe Nunn. Freddie Joe Nunn had that record at 66 and a half, so Chandler Jones obviously knew he was getting there and, and probably going to get it, and he did get it and pulled up his jersey and there was Freddie Joe Nunn, you know, you know, obviously the dates of being born and, and his death, and I just thought it was a very, very cool moment uh, to understand you know, who came before me and what this franchise was about, whose records you broke and to honor that person. I thought I thought that was a very, very classy, cool moment by Chandler Jones. Congratulations. You are the franchise sack leader right now, but a real tip of the cap for, for honoring uh, the late person in Freddie Joe Nunn who held that record.
2: And they needed help from the defense yesterday because they didn't have Kyler Murray, they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, Colt McCoy was able to engineer the victory. It helps to have three touchdowns from James Conner. But the Cardinals, I, I, I think I've picked the Cardinals to lose like four straight weeks. I was right once, barely, against the Packers. I thought the 49ers <laughs> would win yesterday. Who wouldn't have thought the 49ers would win that game oh. without Kyler Murray? They did not have one of the great players in the NFL. They had Colt McCoy, a guy who's been on the bench for most of a decade. Of course you think the 49ers are going to rise up and get it done. And as much as we credit the Cardinals for that, Mike, you got to put some blame on the 49ers. My award, the faithful are losing their faith. That's what they call the fan base in San Francisco. They have not lost, or they have not won, key distinction, a home game in two years. Well, they're there they've lost eight in a row they did win some home games last year without fans there. they haven't won a game with fans present since the nfc championship in 2019 they're 0-4 at home this year they have the rams coming to town monday night the rams who are going to be salty and pissed after losing in prime time to the titans they're gonna have their hands full then mike you know peter king made the point a couple of weeks ago that the 49ers are like eight games under 500 overall during the Kyle Shanahan John Lynch regime. 2017, 6 and 10. 2018, 4 and 12. 2019, 13 and 3. 2020, 6 and 10. So far this year, 3 and 5. As I saw Mike Sando of the Athletic point out on Twitter, 2019 is the exception. For some reason, it's treated as the rule. The rule is the 49ers are not good. The 49ers have not been good. It all fell together for them one year. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They think they have a Super Bowl team. And, you know, that's what kills you quickly in the NFL. High expectations that aren't fulfilled, that's what gets people fired. And I think the seats are starting to heat up a little bit. I think John Lynch is the first one to go because Kyle Shanahan runs the show and he'll just get another GM and he'll get another chance. He'll get another year or two, maybe. It's it's not going well for the 49ers, and uh, they, they just got to win a home game. They got to do something to make the paying customers feel good about why they're showing up. They sat through that rain a couple of weeks ago. They still are behind the team. The team's given them no reason to continue to stay there.
0: Uh, I agree. It has It is becoming more the exception and the rule that, that year, without question. But we all kind of thought, A, this is the best division in all of football, and, B, the 49ers, this is why they should start Garoppolo's because they're a team that we think can be in it. But the more and more it goes this way, the more and more you're going to say, okay, it's going to become Trey Lance's team, and they're going to be developing him for the future. Uh, So I agree. It is becoming more the rule of bad play than the exception of good play with them. Uh, My second superlative is going to be watch out for the under 500 team on your schedule. And I'm going to give the New York Giants some love. They won two out of their last three, and the one they lost was 2017 to the Chiefs. But they're they're not going to make the playoffs. They probably won't have a winning record. But they're playing hard. Joe Judge has them playing hard, and, and to see what they're and I don't know what they're going to be in the future. I'm just talking about this year. They're playing games hard right now and they're in games and they're going to get blown out in some games but they're going to play against teams that are going to be in the playoffs and they're going to affect a seed or two with some games the rest of this year with the way they're playing so beware that this is one of those teams that you know from week 13 on that you better be wary of everyone will think well they're not going to go to the playoffs they're going to start packing it in but they're playing some hard football and, and and I don't think that's going to stop. And they're going to surprise maybe a team, maybe two, who is going to go to the playoffs and affect their seed. So this is one of those teams that you always have to watch out for all the way to the end of the season because of the way they play. I give them credit for that.
2: I didn't hear anything about headset issues yesterday. I wonder why. I wonder why there was no <laughs> no complaining about headset. It's no complaints about headset issues. When you pull off a victory, uh, my next award, very uh, concisely worded. Why in the hell didn't you get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Senior, uh, earlier award? Uh, look, the Browns have not needed Odell Beckham Jr. And it's not like they were going to cut him in the offseason. but They could have traded him. And I know he was coming off a torn ACL, but they clearly were better without him. And and the coaching staff that's there now, for the most part, wasn't there in 2019 when I think there was a lot of tension and we got to get the ball to Odo Beckham Jr. And I think that's where the seeds were planted for dysfunction that really flourished this year. But, you know, we've seen the reports. Odo Beckham Jr. asked for a trade in the offseason. He was asking for a trade throughout the season. He asked to be released last Monday before they finally gave in after he had his dad and LeBron James make a social media assault on the team. They're better without him. And look at what they did yesterday to the Bengals. And you can't tell me that just part of that that removal of a toxic dynamic, whoever is to blame, and there's probably plenty of blame to go around, but you remove that dynamic from your team, and you see the weight go off the quarterback's shoulders, and... You beat the hell out of a division rival in a game that the the Bengals needed as badly as the Browns. That was a huge outcome yesterday, and I think ridding themselves of OBJ had a lot to do with it. And, again, I think a lot of people are to blame for what went wrong, but it's good that the Browns finally figured out they needed to move on and they would be better off without him.
0: Yeah, this this isn't just a one-person thing. I get it. But then all of the things that led to that week, I mean – uh, wow. And, and, and there's, there's something to talk about a distraction in a locker room. And I go back and forth on it sometimes. But is it something that's happening outside the locker room that affects the locker room? How does it affect the locker room? But when it's a person who's physically walking in that locker room, That's the distraction. That can be tough. We've seen in the past, we've seen a Keyshawn Johnson sent home. You know, we'll pay you, go stay at home. We've seen a Terrell Owens, go stay at home. And these are are good players, players that can be productive. And Odell Beckham has been very productive at times. He, he's failing in the ability part. The most important ability part is availability. You know, when, when he has been at his best, he's been a heck of a wide receiver. But he's been nicked up. He's certainly dropped some balls. And, yes, he hasn't been thrown to at times when he's open. Not the first receiver or last that that's going to happen to. So it, w- it was a ridiculous scenario that they had to rid themselves of it. And they did, and of the person. And we'll see what happens with OBJ's future uh, if he can get healthy and be on the field, and can he be productive. Uh, my last superlative is going to be, wow, what a game for Josh Allen no, not that Josh Allen. And I know we talked about it earlier, but let's let's actually put a couple of stats to it. The Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the defensive player, against Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, just did what one Josh Allen do to the other Josh Allen. How about Josh Allen socked, sacked Josh Allen. Josh Allen intercepted Josh Allen. And Josh Allen recovered, recovered a Josh Allen fumble. I'm saying Josh Allen too much, so I can't even speak. But unbelievable what went on, the namesake of Josh Allen. Uh, these guys, A, they have to trade jerseys without question, and I hope they did. Uh, but just the game that this guy had and Jacksonville overall. Now, it came in a win. It would be a lot less, we'd be mentioning it, but to say it, and it also goes along with a win against one of the best teams in the AFC is a pretty cool thing. But yeah, the first player in NFL history to intercept a quarterback with the same name. But like I said, recovered a fumble and sacked him as well. So what what a a day for not only Jacksonville, but for Jacksonville's Josh Allen.
2: And I can tell that Josh Allen, I spoke to him after the game. He didn't come out and say it, but he was sick of hearing about Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. He was sick about (laughs) hearing about the other Josh Allen. And this was finally his chance. Finally his chance. He found his motivation. And now the question is, can the Jaguars continue? continue to play at that level as we discussed earlier let's take a break when we return a little bit more about where the Browns and Odo Beckham Jr. are going from here and where Beckham may go next we'll discuss that when we return here on this Monday edition of PFT Live
0: around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me
1: play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Our guys are pros, and in this game, there are going to be things that come up week to week that you have to address and deal with and move on, and that's what we did. And I felt like the focus was there
2: all week. Uh, It's just the type of team we have. It's the kind of, you know, things I keep hitting on. I trust the guys in in this locker room. I've said it over and over again, and I truly mean it. So when adversity hits, nobody flinched. Uh, It was a long week. I'd be lying if I said otherwise, but proud of these guys uh, and, you know, how they were able to focus and and do their jobs. It's just we got a good group. We really do. I wish them well. I really do. Like I said, my feelings haven't changed. Um, I wish them well. You know, it's from a personal standpoint. Um. He, he's a good friend of mine. We still haven't talked, but that doesn't change things. Uh, I wish him well, I wish him the best in his career, but um, I'm worried about the guys in our locker room. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of these guys, how they were able to focus up despite all the that was going on this week uh, and how they were able to do their job. So um, yeah, that's why I appreciate this group of guys and, uh, and, and the staff that we have. So um, we're gonna you know see if we can build on it and continue to get better. I usually talk to my good friends Fairly frequently, especially if there's something going on that calls that friendship into question. You know, you may want to rekindle it, renew it, make sure everything's fine. Are we okay? Are we okay? I thought we were friends. Are we okay? Anything? Anyone? Look, I give Kevin Stefanski a ton of credit. I said last week, Mike, he's going to earn his 2020 Coach of the Year award after the fact by how he deals with this. And they realized after what happened on Tuesday, it was time to move on from Odell Beckham Jr., keep him out of the building, keep him away from the team, remove the presence that had become toxic to the organization for whatever reason, whoever's to blame. They did it, and it worked. And this is one of those, in hindsight, I wish I had followed the instinct that was gurgling around in my stomach because when I heard Kevin Stefanski speak last week, and he kept saying, all I'm focused on is trying to win a game. We desperately need to win a game. They they did, and they pulled it off. In big fashion, forty-one to sixteen over a Bengals team we were ready to put in the Super Bowl two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, that, that's this AFC North. I mean, absolutely incredible uh, what what's going on right now in Baltimore. I, just think if Baltimore doesn't eke out that win when they're getting beat by Minnesota, how much closer it even it it, it definitely is. And Cleveland will find Baltimore in a couple of weeks. Uh, they'll get them, but they only have the one division game right now. They lost to it with Pittsburgh. This was their second and. Away from what went on, and I thought, you know, I think that's the way you handle it. You take the high road on everything. Again, we're good friends. We haven't talked is, a, is an interesting line. But regardless, it's taking the high road and not delving into it and worrying about who's, you know, in your locker room and, and move forward. You have to move past this. You got rid of, of – the distraction, listeners, as we said, there's more than one person involved, but it revolved around Odell Beckham. And you got him out of there, so that's been removed. So there's no reason to keep, you know, this should be the last it's spoken of in that locker room past this game. Now you just move on because you're going to be in the hunt for something. And this team can be in the hunt for something when they can run the ball. You know, we saw it with Dearness ja- Johnson when they went against Denver on that Thursday night when both Chubb and Hunt were out. Now, Nick Chubb's back, and he had a monster game. When this team can run the ball, they can be a, a, a heck of a team. Not really going to win on passing the ball a lot. They have to be a mixture of the two. They ran 46 plays to Cincinnati's 70. They only had 46 plays in this game but were efficient enough running the ball and passing the ball, and this is what they can be, and they need that defense to be how they were earlier in not giving up a lot of points. We saw that went away by the wayside a couple of times, but for the most part, I think it's a really good defense. They need to all – one part of their team is not so great it can outdo the other parts. They all need to be in sync, and yesterday they were.
2: And I think Baker Mayfield's performance, direct correlation to not having that stress and strain of having to placate Odo Beckham Jr., having to deal with the the passive-aggressive body language, the looks on the sideline. Even though Beckham hadn't been saying much, the presence had become too much for the Browns. And I want to spin forward what's going to happen with OBJ, because I really do think one of the reasons the Browns held on to him for as long as they did, they're afraid of what he's going to do somewhere else. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to look like they failed to get the most out of Beckham if he goes somewhere else and he becomes the guy that he was six years ago. So if he'd been cut last Monday, he'd be a free agent, could go anywhere he wants. I think the Browns knew what they were doing, waiting until after the trade deadline, because now he goes through waivers. And the way that they tinkered with his contract, Mike, he's due to make $7.25 million the rest of the season either way. The Browns took... I'm told roughly $3 million of it, made it a roster bonus that's due this week, $4.25 million in lingering salary. That's all that the Browns would owe him as termination pay under the CBA, and it's complicated, but the bottom line is he can get the full amount of his remaining salary once he's cut and make whatever he makes elsewhere and keep both. He can do that. That's the way it works for anybody with four or more years of service who's cut during the season. So the Browns wanted to reduce what they would owe him. But, but what Beckham should have done in allowing the Browns to reduce what they're going to owe him anyway, he should have pressed for terms that would have made it far more unattractive to claim him on waivers. Because right now, there's really no difference from what the contract was last week to what it is this week. It's still $7.25 million for the rest of the year for the team that claims him. The only thing that was added that helps Beckham is he becomes a free agent after the season. That's it. The final two years of the deal are wiped out. Nothing else in there creates a disincentive to a team that may claim him. So, you know, there's a buzz right now around the league. Smart people who have accomplished things, developing and building teams, and who understand how it all works, thinking, why shouldn't a team that may not be a contender, that may not be a team that Odell Beckham Jr. wants to play for, why shouldn't that team make a waiver claim? They're entitled to. And then Odell Beckham Jr.'s got to decide whether or not he's going to show up. So I don't think it's close to 100% that he's going to become a free agent. He's going to have to sweat it out until 4 o'clock tomorrow and find out who claims him on waivers. Because I think there's a chance in a 32-team league, well, 31, I don't think the Browns will claim him on waivers. 31 teams, there's a chance one of them is going to say, hey, let's give this a shot.
0: But I, I, I guess I would say on the other side of that, Mike, is why? Why would a non contending team, you're sitting there as a non contending team, and you're telling me you have to shell out 7.2 mil to him the rest of the way? Is, is that, if, if you have to do that and he can be a free agent at the end of the year and you're a non, and, and then unless you think you're willing to sign him to a longer term deal, you would be claiming a guy who's got a bad shoulder who hasn't been that much available, who certainly had some drops on the field, don't get me wrong, when he is right, he can be a heck of a weapon. I I completely agree with that. But why would you, as a non-contending team, take that on for the rest of this year with no guarantee of next year unless you actually signed him? I don't know what the thinking would be on why you would bring that into your locker room.
2: Well, first of all, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. So even though you made a great case for shying away from Odell Beckham Jr., that doesn't mean that a team out there that isn't a contender won't look at it differently. And, and look no farther than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are feeling pretty good about themselves after what happened yesterday, beating the Bills, feeling like they can win some more games, feeling like maybe they'd like to sell more tickets to their games, and they have like 27 million in cap space right now, lingering cap space, they, they could they they could crunch the numbers and say, hey, here's the jerseys we'd sell, and they, they sold all those Tebow jerseys, and Enom is never on the team in a regular season game. They, they could justify it. They could justify it. And one one last point and then we got to take a break. The fact that the Seahawks seem to be the ones who are zeroing in on Beckham. When you consider how much Urban Meyer is emulating Pete Carroll in Jacksonville, the fact that the Seahawks have been linked to Beckham is not gonna make Urban Meyer less interested in Odo Beckham Jr. I, and and I'm not saying the Jaguars are gonna do it, but it's not all that difficult to come up with a case for saying, What the hell? Let's give it a shot. We've got twenty-seven million in cap space. Maybe he sells some tickets, generates some excitement. And maybe we win some games with him present because we'll use him. We'll show the Browns how to properly use Odell Beckham Jr. Ego can come into play too for Urban Meyer. We got to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Odell Beckham Jr., not the only receiver who is available. Deshaun Jackson is, where more accurately, was available. Waived last week by the Rams, unclaimed on waivers, became a free agent. He was reportedly talking to seven teams, posted this yesterday. He will be a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I was told yesterday that the Raiders were trying to slow play Deshaun Jackson in order to figure out whether or not they'd have a shot at OBJ, and it's possible they made some phone calls behind the scenes and realized He doesn't really want to play for the Raiders or Deshaun Jackson caught wind of the possibility that he was being slow played and he pushed the issue saying, hey, Raiders, if you want me, I'm not going to be second fiddle to OBJ. Let's get this done now. Either way, Deshaun Jackson fills the role that previously was played by receiver Henry Ruggs, who faces uh, very serious, troubling allegations in Las Vegas resulting from that collision high speed last week that claimed the life of. 23 year old woman and her dog in a horrible, horrible incident. But the Raiders have football needs, they need that deep receiver. And it looks like Deshaun Jackson is going to be their guy, Mike.
0: Yeah, as, as, as horrible it is to talk about football when we bring up Henry Ruggs in that situation, it, 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 it's horrid. But again, there is the football side of it, and Deshaun Jackson will fill that need. You have Hunter Renfro leads that team in receptions now. Darren Waller is second. Then you had Ruggs and Kenyon Drake, a wide receiver and a back, I think with 24 receptions each. But, But they need they need that deep fret. Now, Deshaun Jackson is 35 years old. He had, what, eight receptions this year, but at an average of about 27 yards a catch. So even at 35, he is a guy that's going to make that defense respect your deep routes and try and stretch out that defense. And we know the we know the Raiders love throwing the ball deep. So I, I could see this fit, you know, and see him fitting in that offense and taking that spot of rugs and being that deep guy down the sideline or down the middle of the field in a for a team in a division that is a as we talked about earlier is a wide open division.
2: Amazing that a guy that fast at the receiver position had never previously played for the Raiders it was a long time coming it's finally happened and 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 this was a low key OBJ situation he wanted out he was on a winning team but he wasn't involved they had other receivers he just got limited glimpses but he he did all right with the chances that he had he'll likely get more chances with the Raiders let's take a break Sunday statement draft for week nine when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this All right, here we go. Right at it. Week nine, Sunday statement draft. Who made the biggest statements in the games that turned the league upside down and told us that as much as we thought we knew, we don't know Jack squat. might go like you get the first pick.
0: Listen, I'm going to start with the Baltimore Ravens' entire team. In a, in a Sunday where we saw better teams start to get smoked and not be able to come back, the, the perseverance of Baltimore down 24 to 10 in the third quarter in this game, bringing it all the way back to tie it up and then win it in overtime, 34 uh, 31. And the drive, the tying drive they put together again, a team that was down 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter, 18 play, 82 yard drive, 10 minutes and 17 seconds on time of possession for a game tying drive that they would go on and win. That is is impressive that is collecting yourself after still being asleep from a bye week coming out not ready to go getting hammered and bringing it all the way back and securing a win well done Baltimore
2: I am going to see your Baltimore and raise you one specific player on the Ravens because I want to give credit to Lamar Jackson because yesterday was his 12th career what we call double triple a hundred or more yards in two different statistical categories and he did it yesterday with 120 rushing 266 passing he's done it 12 times it's the all-time nfl record and he's only in his fourth season mike vick had eight that's how great lamar jackson has been when it comes to rushing for 100 or more and throwing for 100 or more but but they were resilient mike they just kept going down 24 10 at the start of the second half no big deal they just keep chipping away and chipping away and they get it done and they deal with adversity and they keep going and uh, you know they needed that win coming out of the bye after having the ugly loss twenty-four to six at home against the Chargers before the bye. They needed this one and they got it.
0: I I just. In a league full of the most elite football players in the world, I really want to know the thought of a linebacker or DB when they are one one, one-on-one in open space with Lamar Jackson when he's running on what their thought process is of how they're going to bring him down. It's got to be, got to be incredible. Uh, my second one is, is going to be, hey, backups, they need you to keep your head above water, and my, this statement here is Colt McCoy. No Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals. I wonder even before that who could have named who the backup quarterback was. Colt McCoy, all he does in filling in for Kyler Murray is go 22 of 26, 249 yards and a touchdown, and maybe the most important thing, he didn't turn the ball over. So that's what you need with a backup quarterback, someone that – We'll at least keep your head above water and and be productive for you. And so a guy, Kyler Murray's been having an incredible year. He's out. Colt McCoy steps in and just says, you know what? We're just going to keep this ship moving in the right direction.
2: I'm going to go with a guy who was a backup quarterback in New Orleans until he reestablished himself but there's been a lot of doubts and questions about Teddy Bridgewater and there still are. Is he the long term answer for the Denver Broncos? I know the coaching staff loves him. The players love him but at some point you got to perform. He performed yesterday at 19 of 28 249 yards and a touchdown in that victory over the Cowboys. The leader of that team the heart and soul of that team. The guy that gives them belief that they can score a touchdown on every drive and I was I was stunned. It just the snowball got larger and larger during that game and it was 30 to nothing before the Cowboys woke it up. Great for the Broncos, great for Teddy Bridgewater, and we'll see where they go from here. His future is going to be secured or not based on what this team does down the stretch, Mike.
0: Yeah, I listen, uh, I, you know I agree with that.
2: Let's take a break before we wrap up the draft. Yep. Uh because we're we're, we're we're running preciously short on time. We'll get in round three of the Sunday Statement Draft when this Monday edition of PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, on our way out the door, round three of the Sunday Statement Draft. Mike Golick, you're up. Well,
0: I'm going to go uh, with the running game of Cleveland Browns, specifically Nick Chubb. You know, I, I, I know when... He and the Hunt were out a couple of games ago. They still ran well with Ernest Johnson against Denver. But then the running game didn't go against Pittsburgh. That's just what it means when it does. And when one man stands out like Nick Chubb, give credit to the O-line as well, 14 carries, 137 yards. What this Cleveland Browns team can be when they had that running game to go with the complimentary passing attack, I'm very interested to see if they can get further than they did last year. But it all revolves around the run, and yesterday it was Nick Chubb.
2: And now that OBJ's not there, they can go all in with the run and they can try to win some games and see if they can duplicate what they did last year. Last one for me. And look, part of what we try to do here is use it as a platform to mention some guys that we didn't previously mention in the two hours because there's a lot to discuss. I'm going to go with Matt Ryan for a couple of very important reasons. One, you know, 24 6. It wasn't quite 28 3, but it was bad enough to see that lead evaporate quickly and it was in the fourth quarter not late third quarter like 28-3 in Super Bowl 51 it was early fourth quarter about 10 minutes left the Saints started scoring and scoring and scoring and they took the lead late and Matt Ryan Arthur Smith gave him the play call coming in first and 10 from the 25 after the touchback and uh Smith said if if you see the opportunity let it fly and what he saw and he told me this after the game He saw two safeties back, and then right at the snap, he saw Malcolm Jenkins come up, and he knew he was going to have Cordero Patterson one-on-one, and he took the shot. He let it go. Patterson made the catch. Here it is there. Patterson makes the catch, runs down the field, puts the Falcons in field goal range. They had to sweat out a fumble by Mike Davis that the Saints almost recovered (laughs) that would have ended the game. But the Falcons pull it off and, and Mike, here they are at four and four. They are right in the thick of things for the seventh seed. They, they are one of these teams. You talked about the Giants earlier. They are one of these teams. You gotta be, you don't want to play the Falcons any week because they can beat you every week.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, with Matt Ryan and the the numbers they can put up passing the ball, uh, they they I completely agree. They're one of those teams. I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs, but they they're gonna be that tough out.
2: Tonight, old school, Bears-Steelers. You know, the Steelers have won three in a row, and they're at home. I know they don't like playing home games at night in Pittsburgh, but I hard to imagine the Steelers not continuing this, this grinded-out, all-three-faces formula that has carried them to three consecutive victories.
0: Completely agree. I love the way Najee Harris is running the ball. The O-line is run blocking, him catching the ball. No Khalil Mack, so uh, Ben doesn't have to worry about him breathing down his back. And that Pittsburgh tough defense against a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields who's continuing to develop, I definitely like Pittsburgh in this game.
2: And maybe we see some more from Justin Fields like we saw last Sunday with that run that he had against the 49ers, but it's going to be hard for the Bears to put together the effort in all three phases because that's where the Steelers will get you. All three right. phases of the game, and they just grind it out and they win, and they need this one tonight. Two hours of PFT Live in the books. Thanks, Mike Golick. As always, great job by you. We'll see everybody this afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern for PFT PM.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here.
2: Let's
1: see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.